0: this church sponsor. I just want to say that so you know just what an impact this church has had on our family. We have a lot of appointments coming up. We have some in Hickory, Charlotte, and we have one in Washington, D.C. on May the 24th. But today, I just really want to thank everyone for what you have done. Thank the staff for putting this together. Thank everybody that prepared the meal, that cooked the barbecue, that served it, and you just don't know what this means to us to have so many people want to do so much for our family. So from my family to all of you, we love you, we love East Taylorsville, and we cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for what you have done.
1: Amen. Love you, brother. Bless you. Thank you. Hey guys! Also, as your pastor, I just want to thank uh, thank you all so much for last week. I want to thank our Baptist men, of course, for cooking. That's that's kind of a two-day ordeal when you have a when you have a fundraiser like that. But if you'll look, notice in your bulletin, we raised uh, at this point over fifteen thousand five hundred dollars. As far as I know, that's the largest fund. Yeah, thank you. So that is that is a blessing, and I know some people still want to give. I think you can still give online if you want to, or or send it in. Uh, by mail. But thank you very much. God bless you. Love you. Honored to be your pastor. And uh, say that from the heart. Thank you.
2: Thank you. I know it's true And I'm not
3: afraid
2: To show you my weakness My failures and flaws Lord, you've seen them all And you still call me friend Cause the God of the mountains the God of the valley there's not a place that your mercy and grace won't find me again
4: Well, good morning. It's so good to see you here. It's my honor to welcome you to our service today. And wasn't it good to be back in Sunday school? Um, I think through this pandemic, it's like all of us. We're creatures of habit. We do things day in and day out, and we begin to take things for granted. If anything good through this, I know for me personally, it's helped me see how important, how vital our fellowship is to be in those small groups, to be in those relationships. God has designed us to live our lives together and to share that life together. And I'm just thankful that uh, we are able to come back together and we're looking forward to all that God is going to do in the coming days. So I uh, just want to thank you all for being here today. Thank our Sunday school teachers for stepping back in. And uh, we just want to thank everyone for being a part of that this morning. We had, uh, Mark said we had 329. That's the most we've had all year. <laughs> just, <laughs> some of y'all get that later, I think. But it is good to see you here. If you are visiting with us today, we would encourage you as you leave today, if you haven't already, please stop by our guest table. As you go down the hall, go to your left. There's a table there. There's some uh, backpacks there that have information on our church. There's also a Kit Kat in there. Um, If if no other motivation, go get some chocolate on your way out. But if you are visiting, please take time to fill out the care card. You can fill out the care card in your bulletin. You can fill out a guest card there. We'd love to have a record of your visit. Also, if you're interested in church membership, or you need any more information, please use that care card. That's a great way to communicate with us. And also, you can see in our bulletin, the numbers are there. You can contact us anytime. We'd love to talk to you. But I want to ask everyone, if you would, to please stand. And as you're standing, one other thing I want to say as you leave today, if you're considering serving in VBS, please stop by the volunteer table. You'll see that out there with the train. Uh, we encourage you to fill those guests, I mean, not guest cards out, the volunteer cards so we can plan for VBS this summer. But take just a minute, welcome your neighbor. If you haven't spoke to him yet, wave at them and welcome them to the service.
0: seated this morning. I have a few announcements to go over. Um, this coming Saturday, May the 8th, we're going to be having a, the National Day of Prayer in our courthouse lawn It's from 10 o'clock to 1130. I'd like to encourage you to be a part of that coming this Saturday. Also in your bulletins, you're going to see uh, the giving for Mother's Day offering for next Sunday. I want to encourage you to pick up a bullet, uh, uh, an offering envelope. It's right back on the table in the back as you go out. On there, you'll need to write your name and also the amount. That way we can give you credit for that uh, if you do that. And then return those on May the 9th for next Sunday. Uh, Brian Davis, he's going to be doing a video for us next Sunday. Uh, the uh, Mother's Day offering is down this past year 80%. 80%. And We as churches have not been able to gather like we would like So we really need to give to that. Uh, Who does that help? People in need. People who have great needs in their life financially, who are hurting physically, and and they're going through sickness. Uh, I know that through my family, we were recipients of that grace many years ago that helped us in our home. So let me encourage you to give next Sunday to the Mother's Day offering. Now for our time of prayer, we want to remember those in need this morning. I want to remember Mike Treadway's family, Nancy Fox's father. Uh, he passed away, the services will be tomorrow, the viewing this afternoon. Uh, and let me remember uh, also Polly uh, France, her daughter Pam passed away. We want to remember her, her services were yesterday. And today uh, Snooky Childress, she, uh, she passed away and her services will be today at three o'clock. Her husband Al served here at East Towersville in 1967. 1967, he was associate pastor here. You know, Snooky's grandmother and aunt were founders of this church, 13 people on the Mill Hill started at East Tollersville. So we want to remember their family too and remember them in prayer. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and pray for these needs. Father, we pray this morning as we approach your throne, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we have more than 10,000 reasons to praise your name. Lord, help us to be a grateful people. Lord, we thank you that we're able to come back and study your word this morning. Father, we thank you that, Lord, we're able to come back and worship you this morning. And, Father, we pray for the healing of our nation, Lord, the healing of the church, for renewal, for revival to come from you. And, Father, we pray that, Lord, that you continue to bless those in need, those who are facing difficulties and recoveries at home and in the hospital. And Father, we want to pray for Mac Treadway's family, that you continue to give them, Lord, your comfort and peace, and also for Polly, and also, Lord, for Snooky's family, that you'd be with Melody and Kim and the kids, grandkids. And Father, we pray this morning that you bless this time of worship. Father, help us to pray for our nation this week. Help us to pray for the Mother Day offering for next week, that we might reach out for those in great need. And Father, you said... If we see a brother or sister in need and don't help them, how can the love of God dwell within us? And, Father, this morning, help us to reach out in love and compassion like you have to us. And, Father, we love you. Thank you for giving yourself to us that we might know you. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Calm this up I need you here now Restore Place with perfect love, perfect love. Oh, what can take away Darkness will break. I'll keep on singing your praise. Nothing can take my hallelujah. Nothing can take my hallelujah. Shadows will fade. Darkness will break. I'll keep on singing your praise. Nothing can take my hallelujah. Nothing can take my hallelujah. Shadows will fade. Darkness will break. I'll keep on singing Your praise. Ooh. Nothing can take
4: my hallelujah.
2: Nothing can take my hallelujah. Shadows will fade, darkness will break. I'll keep on singing Your praise. will break, but we'll
3: keep on singing your praise.
1: If you have your Bibles, uh, stand with me and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. And today we're going to be looking at a person by the name of Jonathan. And Jonathan is very very important to David's life. As a matter of fact, had it not been for Jonathan, David probably does not uh, make it to the throne. As a matter of fact, if it wasn't been for Jonathan, David wouldn't even be alive. And I like how one pastor started out his... uh, uh, sermon on uh, Jonathan, he says this. He says, it doesn't matter if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, general in the military, president or not, everybody needs a friend. Amen? And when, what we're going to look at today is the most popular, historic friendship in our planet's history. Jonathan, what, a, what, a, what an important person. Notice what the Bible says in these four verses. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, why was he speaking to Saul? He just killed Goliath. Now get this, he just, David had just killed Goliath, and Saul says, come here. David just soaked in blood, probably. And then Saul asked him this really odd question. It just shows the failure of leadership in Saul's life. When God left Saul, even his thinking processes went with him. I mean, Saul just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And the nation of Israel gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And worse. Verse 1, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. That's friendship right there. Now, look at that again. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. That's very biblical. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. We see this in this passage. It says, Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved them as his own soul. And Jonathan, now, now this is historic in verse 4. Because Jonathan was a military warrior. We're going to look at that in just a moment. One of his battles is recorded by Josephus. And only 20 people died. But, but really, if you watch programs today that involve swords and all that, they, they plagiarize the Bible. Because I've seen some shows say they took that out of 1 Samuel. Okay, it's amazing what happened. Josephus records it. Jonathan is a strong word, but notice what Jonathan does. Jonathan is more popular than his dad with the military. And before the military, Jonathan does this, before the army. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him, gave it to David with his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. Do you have a friend? Do you have a friend? Ladies, do you have a female friend? Men, do you have, and I know your spouse is your best friend, right? But guys, do you have a friend, a real friend? I mean a real friend. Jonathan was a real friend. I'm going to encourage you to be Jonathan to somebody. And I'm going to encourage you to seek out a Jonathan in your life. Listen, you don't need ten friends, good ones. You don't need five. You need one good one. See, Jonathan walked into the mess that David was in and didn't leave. He walked out of it with him. What a friend. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you for Jonathan. And Lord, the stories of David's life are just a blessing. And, and they apply to us today. And Father, I, I know that Lord, our spouse should be our best friend. But Lord, we all should seek out friendships of the same sex. Men that we can talk to. Or if you're a female, women you can talk to. And it stays there. And it goes no further. That when you mess up, they're there. Father, David had to have Jonathan in his life. And through sovereign grace, Lord, you brought these two together. And it was life-changing for them. And Father, it, it should be for us as well. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Jonathan became David's best friend. Think about that. The greatest king that Israel ever had, had a best friend. One person put this, he said, some people will enter your life to use you, manipulate you, to get from you. A friend is just the opposite. In your life, you'll make a lot of acquaintances, but you will not make a lot of true friends. In your life, you'll make a lot of acquaintances, but you won't have a lot of true friends. Listen, six years ago, I had a milestone. I reached my 5,000th Facebook friend, which means what? Absolutely nothing. This is how my life goes. I'll go into Walmart and this is how it'll be, somebody will stand there and they'll be staring and I'll stare back at them and they'll point and they'll say this, we're Facebook friends and I'll go, really? <laughs> are we? Are we? Are, we fa- are we friends? I mean, th- think about that, are, are we friends? are we friends? listen, we're going to look at arguably the greatest friendship in history and I'll ask you this question, who's your best friend? who's your best friend? Do you have one? do you have somebody you can call? somebody that you can talk to? do you have somebody that if you made the front page of the paper they're not commenting about you. They're praying for you. And they're taking up for you, not justifying what you did, but they're there for you. They don't walk out. That's what David had. Now think about where Israel is at this time. They have a king by the name of Saul. And, and Samuel told them this. Now Samuel's boys were bad. They couldn't ascend to any throne. Uh, Samuel was the last of the judges. When you read the book of Judges, that's 350 years. 350 years. Samuel's the last one. The people tell Samuel, you're getting old, we want a king. And listen to what Samuel told them. God spoke through the prophet and he said this. Kings force their people to labor in their fields for their wealth and their prosperity and their gain and their power. Samuel tells them, he says, kings force people to fashion their military equipment, their weapons. Kings draft sons in the armies and put their lives in jeopardy. Kings also constrict... We'll take your daughters. We'll take them captive to work in their royal enterprises as perfumers, cooks, bakers in their service. King, Samuel tells them, will seize your land for themselves. Force escalating taxes and demand payment under penalty. Kings take people's possessions at will. Kings make subjects, servants, and slaves out of the population. In all these ways, Samuel says, you'll forfeit your freedom you'll become abused by your king. Then Samuel says this, then you'll cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. And what Samuel's saying is this, you're going to hate what you've chosen. You're going to turn to God and he's not going to hear you because you you did not follow his will. The Bible goes on to say this, nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel and said, Nope, we want a king. And they got one. And God took his blessings off Saul and then God says, I'm going to choose another man. He chose David. And into David's life comes this person by the name of Jonathan. Jonathan, what, what bonded them together? Well, the first thing is what we said about David is, number one is this, Jonathan was a warrior. He was a warrior. Jonathan fought his daddy's battles. Somebody had to. When you think about this, he is the prince of Israel. He's a little bit older than David. And there's one, one uh, story in particular back in 1 Samuel where there's a garrison of Philistine uh, army and then in Gippah. And then Jonathan on his own, he goes and overtakes this garrison. And his dad says, who told you to do it? He says, nobody, I just did it. Well, that made the Philistines mad. And in chapter 13, they come back. Now, listen how they come back. All right? They come back, the Philistines do. The Bible says this, that they, they came back with 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and they were, they were like the sand, which is on the seashore in abundance. They were uncountable. You couldn't count them because they were so upset at what Jonathan did. In verse 6, the Bible says this, that Saul's men... Of Israel saw that they were in a strait, for the people were hard pressed. Then, the pe- then the his soldiers hid themselves in caves, thickets, and cliffs, cellars, and pits, so that they only had 600 men left. They were so scared. That just shows you what kind of leadership Jonathan has. And this is what Samuel told him the day, the a few a few weeks before. When you're there at Gilgal, just wait, wait seven days. I'm going to show up. I'll perform a sacrifice to the Lord and worship, and God will win the battle for you. Saul waited seven days and on the seventh day, guess what Saul did? He's not coming. And Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and I'll do it. Which was blasphemy. As a matter of fact, God was so upset at what Saul did. The Bible says that Saul performed the burnt offering and then just as soon as it was finished, here, along comes Samuel. And Samuel says, what have you done? What have you done, Saul? You cannot take on the role of a priest. You remember when Uzziah did that? If you read Isaiah, he says in the year that King Uzziah died, you know why he died? Because he touched what he shouldn't have touched. And God gave him leprosy and he died. And what God Samuel says through God is this. You do not take the role of a priest, Saul, to try to get these things to come to pass. As a matter of fact, whenever that was going on, Jonathan was in chapter 14. Jonathan was at the battle of Michmash. Notice this verse on the screen. Why is this, why is this amazing? You need to go back and read chapter uh, 14 on your own afterwards. The Bible says in verse 4, which is not going to be on the screen, it says, "But Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. The name of the one was Bozes, and the other one was Cena. The front of the one faced the northward opposite Michmash, and the other one southward toward Gibeah. And basically what's happening is you have this, this Philistine garrison up on the top of a mountain, and you have these sharp rocks. It, it was, it's such an amazing thing if you see it, uh, that historians say, how did Jonathan and his armor bearer get up there? How did they get up there? How did these two men get up there? Notice what Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So Jonathan and his armor bearer climb up the top of this mountain on these, this rocky crevice, and then they defeat 20 of the Philistines, and it was such an amazing battle that Josephus says that uh, this was one of the greatest military um, battles in the Old Testament. Just even though 20 people died, because of Jonathan's great faith in the Lord, the the Israelites went on to to beat all those Philistines that were coming against the uh, children of Israel. So what we see here is this. What did David and Jonathan have in common? Well, first off, Jonathan was a warrior. Second off, Jonathan was, without a doubt, a true friend. Look at the word friend up there. The dictionary says this: a person whom one knows, with whom one has a bond of mutual affection, typically exclusive of sexual or family relations. Best friends give selfless love. Notice the verse on the screen: His soul was knit. That, that in the Hebrew, that means to be chained. They were connected at the soul. He loved him as his own soul. One, one person put it this way, isn't it true that few things in life are more important than having some really good friends? Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. He once called his friends, listen to what he said, and if you know his story, you understand. The mas- they are the masterpiece of nature. He goes on to say this, I didn't find my friends, the good Lord gave them to me. I woke this morning with devout thanksgiving for my friends, the old and the new. The glory of friendship is not the outstretched hand, not the kindly smile nor the joy of companionship. It is the spiritual inspiration that comes to one when you discover that someone else believes in you and is willing to trust you with a friendship. Think about your best friends, what you share with them. Matt, think about that. The things that you share with your friends. Okay? He goes on to say this. Our friends believe in us. They see good in us. They focus on the good in us. And they bring out the good, the better, the best in us. They know most everything about us, yet they still like us. Their belief in us is life-giving, it's empowering. There's no telling what you can do with a few good friends at your side. He goes on to say this. Our chief one in life is someone who shall make us do what we can. This is the service of a friend. With him we are easily great. God knew that David needed one good friend. David was on the run for 15 years. 15 years before he became king. Hiding in caves. And guess what God gave him? God gave him Jonathan. Jonathan was happy for, for David's success. He was the only one happy for him. Saul wasn't happy for him. Jonathan was happy for him. And you got to understand, Jonathan was supposed to be the king. You need these people in your life. You don't need ten or five, but you need one. Do you have one friend? You can share the worst part about you, and they still will love you, and they still have the right to speak the truth of love in your life. Jonathan's dad became jealous of David's success. Jonathan's aides applauded his success. And Jonathan would have had understandable reasons for being jealous of David. Because he was taking Jonathan's spot. Let me ask you this question. If our goal is to reach the world with the gospel, we will not be jealous, we should not be jealous of whom God uses to do that. Are you envious or jealous of other people's callings and gifts? Jonathan was happy for David because God was glorified in his victory. So much so that Jonathan honored David publicly. Notice what he does in verse 4. He gives him his robe. This was a symbol of his future, king, future role as a king. He's saying, I'm not going to be the king. He's saying to David, you're going to be the king. He gave his sword and bow. He says, I'm not going to be the commander-in-chief. You are. And understand, Jonathan was a very popular military person. And he says, this is your new commander-in-chief. He gave him his belt which could only be worn by those in the royal line of the king. And he's saying rightfully and legally, Jonathan should be king, but Jonathan trusted God to believe in David. Richard Phillips says this, Jonathan was knowingly lending his own prestige, giving his endorsement to the only practical rival to his success. Why would Jonathan do this? The deed on his part was an act of faith. Only faith makes us willing to be the lesser. Faith causes us to surrender the rights that we pretend to have. In other words... Where sin would have made them enemies, faith made them brothers. Notice 1 Samuel 24 on the screen. So Jonathan said to David, whatever you desire, I'll do it for you. This was in David's life. It's kind of like you saying to somebody, if you need anything, call me. Have you ever said that? I say that all the time. If you need anything, call me. But do you mean it? Do you really mean it? If I can help, you call me and I'll help you. If you need me to be there in the middle of the night. You know what I've told people? I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you call me. Well, they will. Are you ready to answer the phone if that happens? Hey, if you need anything, you call me. That's, that's what Jonathan's saying to David. I know you're on the run. You have nowhere to go, but I'm here for you at any time. This was the king's son. He put himself at risk every time he did this, and he did it over and over and over again. All Jonathan had to do was say, Dad, kill David, and I'm the king. But he wouldn't do it. But he would not do it. And, and God knew that David had to have this person in his life. Jonathan was a friend to David until his death. Notice it's not going to be on the screen. But notice verse 3. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. Now, though, God don't use the word covenant lightly. It's kind of like when I, when I uh, officiate a wedding. I'll say, you're about to make a covenant. This is not, you know, I signed marriage license in the state of North Carolina. Recognize it. that don't mean nothing to God. You're making vows to each other and to God. That's a covenant you're making. Very serious. Jonathan and David make a covenant, and what they're saying to each other is, I will be your friend till death do us part. And they were. Till death do us part, if everybody else leaves your life, I'm not leaving. I will be with you until the end. Do you have a friendship like that? What Jonathan was saying to David is, I will be loyal to you. Disloyal people hurts relationships. This friendship cost Jonathan, not David. It not cost David a thing. It cost Jonathan everything. Saul hates David. Saul wants to kill him. He he attempted to murder him in this actual chapter. Saul wanted John to be king. Saul's number one goal in life was to kill David. Notice in 1 Samuel 19.1 what the Bible says. Now Saul spoke to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. He's saying it publicly now. We got to kill him and Saul's son delighted greatly in David. The only reason he was alive is because of Jonathan. William Chantry says this, As the trials began, God gave David the precious gift of a friend. A faithful friend is a strong defense in adversity, a soothing medicine when one is deeply wounded. Men need friends well chosen, or women, from the number uh, who love the Lord. It is clear that Jesus wants to see our love for Him worked out in love for the brethren. Choose your friends carefully. Verse nine, or cha- verse 4 of that same chapter And I don't think it's going to be on the screen, but listen to what the Bible says. Thus Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servants, against David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good toward you. The mark of a true friend is they have your back when nobody else does. Jonathan is taken up for David in front of his dad. Proverbs 17, 7 says this, very familiar passage. This is written by David's son who probably understood the friendship that David and Jonathan had, and he says this, a friend loves at all times. Just notice that at the top. A friend loves at all times. If they ever stop loving you during the bad times, they're not your friend. And a brother is born for adversity. When you're having adversity, your brother, which is your friend, will be in your, the adversity with you. That's how you know you have an actual friend. Okay. They're not going to send you a text. They're going to send themselves. And and what scholars believe is that whenever this proverb was written, that Solomon was looking back to the friendship that his dad had with Jonathan. What bonded them? Do you know what bonded them? Their faith in God. The Bible says that Jonathan saw... uh, the faith that David had in the battle with Goliath, and that bonded them. David publicly put his faith on display at the cost of his life. And Jonathan said, this is real. This is real. He loves God like I love God, and probably nobody else did. The reason David loved Jonathan is because he loved God. And the reason Jonathan loved David is because he loved God. And I would tell you this in your marriage. In your marriage, your marriage will be only as strong as your love for Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, the closer you'll be to each other. And it's amazing how when you put Christ first in your life, all the little things that you argue over just vanish away. Jonathan and David loved each other because their faith was strong. Imagine, now we saw the battle with Goliath, how, how the Israelites had no faith in God. And then Jonathan sees one person, and he says, I want to know that person. Not because he won the battle so much, but it's because he had faith in the Lord. Just like Jonathan showed back in 1 Samuel that connected those two he said this is the person I want to be uh, friends with the rest of my life think about this the last meeting David ever had with Jonathan notice on the screen I think it's going to be in 1 Samuel 23 it says this this is the last meeting they had because Jonathan dies at at the end of 1 Samuel in battle the last meeting David's on the run nobody by 1 Samuel 23 wants to have anything to do with David everybody's believing the lies about him he's on the run and then Jonathan comes out. And I'm going to read this. It says, And David stayed in the strongholds in the wilderness, because nobody he couldn't go anywhere. David couldn't go anywhere. He had to live in caves. He remained in the mountains in the wilderness. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hands. So David saw that Saul had came out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness, in a forest. Then Jonathan comes along and arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. That's a friend. That's a friend. When nobody else wanted David, Jonathan said this, and I would say this, make us a, a community of Jonathan, selfless, humble, loving, loyal, grateful. When someone else is elevated in a place we thought we might belong to us, we still cheer them on. And then finally, and lastly is this, Jesus is the greater friend. Jesus is. Richard Phillips said this, he said, let's contrast Jonathan and Jesus. Jonathan knit his heart to David after seeing his great faith and courage Jesus knit his heart to you while you were still a sinner. Jesus is the greater friend. Jonathan's love for David was unusual at the time because a superior surrendered his devotion to a lesser civilian. Jesus said he came to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the greater friend. Jonathan made a covenant a faithful friendship and loyalty with David but Jesus accepted from the Father a covenant that required the shedding of his own blood. Finally, he goes on to say this, While Jonathan stripped himself of royal badges and honor and office, Jesus placed upon, his own, placed upon him our own unrighteousness, woven by a life of perfect obedience to God that we might stand righteous in Christ on Judgment Day. Matthew Henry says this, Our Lord Jesus has thus shown us, shown his love to us, that he stripped himself to clothe us, emptied himself to enrich us. Nay, he did more than Jonathan. He clothed himself with our rags, whereas Jonathan did not put on David's. And I would like to say to you this day, you you may not have a friend like Jonathan, but you do have a greater friend in Jesus. David would go on to say this later in his life, that God is the father to the fatherless. Jesus made this promise to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Your best friend may do that. Your spouse may do that. Jesus said, I'm not leaving, number one. Then he said this, I'm not going to forsake you, number two. So you can be in a marriage and not leave and forsake your spouse every day of your life. Jesus says, not only am I not leaving, but I'm not going to forsake you. Jesus is the greater friend. Do you know him today? Have you ever placed your faith and trust in Christ? Jesus Christ bore our sin and God's wrath on the cross willingly. Notice the verse on the screen. Jesus made this statement, no one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. I do not call you servants any longer because a servant does not know what the master is doing, but today I have called you friends. Jesus Christ is the greater friend. Let's pray together. As we come to you in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you for your grace, for your mercy. Father, help us to be a Jonathan in somebody's life. It could be life-changing. Father, literally, this, this changed David's life forever. You knew he needed a friend. You could have done it yourself, but you didn't. You allowed Jonathan to enter into his life. And Lord, you didn't make Jonathan do these things. Jonathan chose to do these things. Lord, help us to be Jonathan in someone's life. Lord, help us to be a friend that loves at all times. Who was born for adversity for someone else. Lord, it could be so life-changing. And Father, all of us have friends that are at different places in their life. Some are at very hard places. Father, we heard this morning some have lost loved ones. Father, some are in the hospital. Lord, help us to be a friend. Help us to be a friend that loves at all times. Lord, your, your word says rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourns. Lord, that's true Christianity. Help us not to always point out flaws, but rejoice in the good in people's life. Father, just help us to be like Jonathan and be more like Jonathan, we'll be more like you. And Father, if there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that today, before the sun sets, that they'd surrender their life repent of their sins, and place their faith in the resurrected Christ. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people say together, Amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great Sunday afternoon and hope to see you back here next Sunday. Thank you and you're dismissed.